Welcome to episode 432 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio Tech, welcome along to episode 432 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Isles. How you going, mate? I'm pretty good. And I, you? Oh, I'm bloody fantastic. We've got a new segment of the show. Oh, wait a second. At the start of the show, I'm gonna kick it you've off. introduced... Okay, go. Kick it off. Bevan's apple fact of the day just told me. Well, Jombo, he was complaining about the new... Oh. Not, not complaining. What were you saying? So I, I saw people like Rob Dallymore complaining that the iOS 8 is uh, slow and it stopped his phone running. Yeah, now that may be true. It may be time to upgrade for a new phone. Yes. Because I imagine he's probably got the 5 or the 4S, yeah. which, you know, come on, let's be old. That's old technology. And, and I, I said, and I said I what about the new typewriter? And, and because the keyboard's definitely a lot better, his word options as you're typing, and he goes, yeah, but I don't like the full stop. No, because they, they put a smiley face where the full stop used to be, and so then you have to change between letters and numbers. And John, I, so said, I, I thought, said to John, have, did you ever buy one of those tips and trick books? And he said, yes. And what did you do with that, John? I've read parts of it. No, you obviously haven't, because if you're on an yeah. iPhone and you want a full stop, double space, full stop happens. There you go. Bevan's Apple fact of the day. That is a new feature. We've got to do okay, that every week. Okay, every Apple week. Fact. All the Android lo- listeners are going to love this, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I talk is proudly brought to you by coffeesofhawaii.com. The world's best coffee. Athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. Extreme endurance. Your lactic buffer. And John says it's kicking in. Hear it about is. That later on. Oh, yeah. I'm going to hear about that later on. Okay, this week's show, it's very much about this is the Kona build up. He's even bolded it in capitals. I know how to do that with my keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, moving up in the world. Now, you are a tech geek. Control. Uh, control. <laughs> we've got news. We've got an age group of the week. We've got John's Kona vocab. Well, I thought it would be really good because over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking a lot about Kona, we'll be interviewing people, and on race day, when you see the race coverage, they'll be throwing out all these place names and stuff, and so it's basically walking you through the course, explaining all the names you'll probably hear, so you've got a bit of a feel for what it's all yeah, about. It's a bit of a breakdown, a detailed breakdown, we'll call it mm. Project 2014 Update, and then we've got some questions and answers at the end. So first of all, we're going to go through couple bit of Kona stuff first. Yes, so we have the Wetsuit Aquathon. People have started to sign up for oh. that. The gigantic event that it is. Uh, it's going to be on... Non-handicap this year. Non-handicap. Uh, Wednesday morning at... I think we're going to kick off at 7.15. So really important, if, you're gonna, if you want to do it, um, do sign up on imtalk.me so then we can just fill you in on all the details. There's no charge or anything like that. And the deal is basically plonk the wetsuits on, swim out to the coffee boat, start the race, race in, Dave, Super Dave, uh, or D- Daddy Dr. Feelgood, Dave Dwan will be manning the transition area and then run down to Lava Java and back and uh, in your wetsuits. It's good times. You can max it out if you want to, or you can just cruise it and, and enjoy running up and down. I've had both experiences. First year I maxed it out. Mm-hmm. It was pretty hot. Second year, you blew me away and I gave up. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's good times. <laughs> it's good times. It is. It's good times. So come along and join that. And if you can't do it, let's say you're racing that weekend, you don't want to actually kind of take the risk of doing the Equathon Challenge. Yeah. Come along and we'll have a bit of a laugh. Yes. So it's good for a bit of fun. We've also got the sign up for John's Taper Camp and lunch with John and Bevan. So if you are over there racing and you want to come along and do a bit of training in that last kind of week before the race, John's mm-hmm. going to be doing some training. And Dr. 
Dr. Feelgood. Yep, and then lunch on Thursday uh, at, I've got to actually book it, I might do that today, at the Conan Brewing Company. So we'll get to have a bit of a chin wag there. And that's a good place to do good pizza. Mm. And then lastly, <clears throat> and I'm sure we'll reference this a lot over the next few weeks, is Thorsten's Try Rating is out, Jombo. Yes, so go tryrating.com and we're going to discuss that in a lot more detail next week. But it's just a comprehensive, you know, it's got all the people who are racing, what they've done this year. He's got a bunch of interviews in there. He's got predictions on how the race could potentially unfold and just everything you need to know about the race. And so the deal with that is it's basically, it's just a a donation to to buy it. Um, You can donate zero or you can donate however much you want. Um, But Torsten puts in a huge amount of effort and it makes our show a lot better because gives us information all the way through the year so give Torsten a little bit of a pat on the back and get yourself a copy of Try Rating and if you're going to be watching Kona you know it's some, a really cool tool you can quickly reference to if you're sitting there watching and you want to Bevan I thought you were turning yeah, all your I beeps thought, off I, I did I, I, think face, I hate computers face. beeping at me oh dear Does so, my head in. so go to tryrating.com and check it out and somebody's hijacked my show notes I have because my book's <laughs> out Jombo so my book is officially out now that people overseas can now get it on Amazon Kindle and I have to say it's going Guns, it's got in the top 20 in sports and bloody or health and fitness. So nice over the moon with that. So, if you guys want to go on and support that, I'll put a link to it in www.iamtalk.me this week or also my personal website, Bevan James Isles. So, it is on Kindle. I thought you said, is it? it Yeah, I can't get it print version sent overseas, right? That's well, you can, but you've got to pay shitload in shipping, so it's kind of counterproductive, but. It is available on Amazon now as a Kindle, and nice. I would love it if <clears throat> you know if you've listened to the show for a long time and you'd love to support me in this. It'd be really cool if you could do it sooner more than later because obviously you want momentum, and the fact it's already got in the top twenty is pretty cool. Um, so then other people who don't necessarily know me or my work will you know want to jump on board and see what it's about. So you can get it now on Amazon. I'll put a link to it in this week's show notes. It's um, it's not a long read. It's only about two or three hours long, so it's, it's kind of a shortish read, but it's um, getting lots of good feedback, which is awesome. And if you do enjoy it, can you please go on Amazon and put a review on there as well? And for Kiwis, a couple of people asked me, is it just in like Paper Plus and Wickles yeah, and stuff? Yeah, it is. It yep. is yep. So it's, uh, it's not in the book. Unfortunately, it's not because at the um, airport they have Relay. Which mm. is, is like it must be its own yeah, airport yeah. brand. It wasn't in there when I was there the other day, but it's definitely in what calls. And I had my kind of book in a bookshop moment the other day. Nice. So, um, so check it out, guys. And if you could, if you really could support it, that'd be awesome because it's just you know ultimately. I want to get as much reach as possible for this book and help as many people as possible. And you guys jumping on board early will help do that. So that'd be awesome. Okay, John, now to the important work. ITU long course distance championships happen over the weekend. And were you surprised with the results? I was a little bit. Yeah. So it's in China. Apparently the course was fantastic um, from what I could see before the race. All the pros were saying it was was brilliant and you know challenging. Um, so the guys race was interesting. The, the, the Frenchies completely dominated the dojo going one, two and three. You had uh, Bertrand Bilan in first, Sylvain Sudri in second, and uh, Cyril Vino in third. And those three, they're bloody good athletes, and probably no massive surprises there. Graham O'Grady from New Zealand had a great yeah, race there fourth. in fourth. Um, Craig Alexander had a bit of a bit of a head scratching race for me. He got smoked in the swim, so lost five minutes to the likes of Graham O'Grady and Sylvain Sudri. And those guys are really are good swimmers, but they're not like they're Andy Potts or anything like that. Mm. So couldn't quite figure that one out. And then he got obliterated on the bike. Uh, he rode 3.11 versus the other guys were under three hours. But then came back with a 1.09, which was just 
miles faster than anybody else. So the front guys were running 116 to 118 and Crowey comes in with a 109. What's the distance? 20. 20 K. Yeah. 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 So that was, um, so what do you think about Corey, Corey Fakona? He's gonna. I think he's it's just, hard to know. He's gonna it? miss a bunch in the swim. I think. I yeah, think he's gonna do a, a brownie, um, and he's gonna unfortunately probably just gonna miss that front bunch. He's just well, lost that, that top top. That being said, I think it could be a gigantic bunch coming out of the swim. So why? It has been every other in the last couple of years. It's been massive. Yeah, we haven't had the breakaway, have we? No, we have. It's broken up on the bike, but. Yeah, I guess there's two things here. His swim doesn't look great, and there may have been something else going on, who knows there, but it was not you know, way off the pace. And his bike was pretty crap. And we remember the last time that he won Kona. Something must have happened, because he's not that bad a swimmer. Well, there's other guys down there at sort of 55. To, yeah, yeah, he's... Um, like, you know what I mean? Like, Brownie was that... He's better than Brownie. Mm, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, Brownie was, you know, it was always just if he could hold on to the end of that pack. Yeah. You know, where it was Alexander was, you know, he was able to sit in the pack comfortably. But there's other guys. The guy who got third there was in 55 as well. So, who knows? It may have been one of those tricky courses where, if, I, I don't know. But anyway, um, I think the swim is a concern and his bike is a concern if he didn't have any issues on the bike. Um, so, who knows? I, he's, I can't see him winning Kona. But you know, based on that, did, was, did, was it the year he won the seventy point three chips as well? I can't remember. Yeah, no, but, but he, he, you know, last time he won, crushed it on the bike. I'm not sure if he was first off the bike. But I he was smashed right, it. He was right up there, cranking on the front. He down was on the that and specialised bike, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. He, he, he did, but it was like a complete performance. That was. Wasn't it was. It? Yeah. So who knows what to read into that? But you wouldn't. I, I guess you wouldn't read into it. These uh, in potential winning formula, but. I'd say one thing, he could run himself into a, into a top 10 in Kona um, based off that, that run performance. Have girl, to say. girl side of things was, um, was a little bit interesting as well. So Andrea Hewitt apparently crashed on the bike. And oh, is that what happened? So I, heard, I saw somewhere somebody saying that she broke her collarbone on the bike but kept going. I think that's a bit of a, bit of a stretch to actually break your collarbone yeah. and then keep on going, I'd say. Possibly not, but she certainly had a bike crash. How much that impacted her race, um, hard to know. So she was uh, leading out of the swim with Laura Bennett and then got, uh, you know, got... Well, she said it's swim the same as Crowy. Mm, exactly. Mm. So not quite sure what the, what's going on there. Mm. Uh, then Camilla Peterson, who was the Danish girl who had the terrible um, accident about 12 months ago, has uh, made full recovery and took the title in 5.43, four minutes ahead of... Kaiser Lithonen from Finland and then Andrea held on for third but only ran 124 and she's a, a better runner than that so not quite sure what went on there in terms of how bad that crash was so good times we've got a lovely email from Jeremy Paul um, well, a little bit disappointing and sometimes great in some ways so Jeremy just sent us an email just saying I wanted to drop a note to ask you to pass on my thanks again publicly this time to the two guys from the New Zealand Triathlon team uh fred and another whose name i've lost fred, fred is from, probably the fred from hawks bay he's like the president of the triathlon club up there just a good guy i've got a fantastic club set up there yeah good guy i was lost i was in the great britain team who had an, an, uh literally zero support from triathlon great britain try new zealand stepped up graciously allowed several brits to join the new zealand team briefing and treating us as if they were kiwis ourselves their open their open-heartedness is exactly what's so special in our sport which new zealand athlete and guys from Try New Zealand pers- uh, personified. Although my race was a shocker, my abiding memory was the generous generosity of spirit. I wanted to share a huge thank you to those guys through the I Am Talk medium. So it's pretty cool. 
good on Try and Z. I mean, I sit here slagging them off saying as an organisation they're in absolute chaos and our high performance programs in chaos as well, but great to see that the age groups are stepping up and yeah, well, the being very day. welcoming. Yeah, but probably the, one of the biggest pieces of news we got this week was uh, Peter Robinson out of Kona. And you know, I, I literally just, just arranged an interview mm-hmm. with him. I was thinking, sweet, everybody's been asking about the Peter Robinson interview, you've been going on about it, had it lined up. Literally the day before we got it confirmed, said, right, yep, all good. And then next day he goes off on a bike ride and... Because clavicle would yeah, yeah, it was uh, doing a 90k effort and he was 89k's into it and then fell off and game over, over. It's pity because I just think Pete added a dynamic to the race that was interesting. Like, I don't think anyone thought he was going to win the race, but, you know, he, he's, he was always a, an interesting competitor, wasn't he? It was, he was. And he also had to work really, really hard to get there. So, you know, he he, he did a bunch of Ironmans yeah. and, and he got there in the last minute too yeah, didn't he went over to Europe <clears throat> and did some 70.3s so I mean my opinion is you should have to work hard to get to Kona and you only want the best of the best there but he'd gone out there and, and obviously put a lot of money and time and effort into it to actually just scrape in so real shame so it'll be interesting to see what, what happens now and, and whether he carries on with it so Lake Tahoe got cancelled. This is probably the biggest piece of news really this week. So they had Ironman Lake Tahoe and basically it seemed that there was a forest fire. Or, or oh, there was a fire. massive forest yeah. fire in the days before. And so they were delaying it. So what happened was they were delaying it and they actually thought that they'd be okay for race day. But then on the night before the race, the winds mm. shifted. So they actually had to cancel the race in the morning. Um, yeah. Bit of a dand if you do, dand if you don't kind of situation, isn't it? Oh, then there's no way they could hold, hold it apparently. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, apparently the forecast was looking really, really good and everybody earlier in the week it's like, oh God, this might not happen. And then the forecast all cleared up and it was blowing the smoke all the right way and then boom, just got totally done on it. And people were literally, it was literally before the pros were about to start, people were in the water, everybody had racked their bikes, ready to go, really? the pros were just about to start and then and, then, and then they did it. And of course, yeah, it was definitely the right, right decision from, from everybody that I've heard from, it was definitely the right decision. But at the same time, absolutely oh. gutting. I mean, I can only put myself in the position if, you know, say we get to Kona and they've never had to cancel that race no. before, but if they did, oh, I'd go, the effort you put into 18 it. months of effort, oh, and so, it's not like you can just turn around next week and do another one, you know. Like no. you know, it's not like in any other race. I remember years ago when I was a kid, I um, I was a, I was a good little runner, and I won my zone sports, which means I got to go to Canterbury Championships, mm. and um, and I, the teacher came to me and said, "Oh, there's a problem. <laughs> What's that?" And he goes, "It was yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> I got the day wrong." <laughs> and I bawled my bloody eyes out. And we got this email. I was so upset, and um, I met, we got an email from Karen, and she goes, "Yes, she sent me an email saying." The night before the race, you know, there's a chance this won't happen. And for Karen, I think it was her 12th to get a legacy spot. So she was like, you know, I really want this race to happen. And uh, she just sent us an email saying, yes, they cancelled it minutes before the swim start. Athletes were in wetsuits on the beach, morning clothes and special needs bags had been dropped off. When they made the announcement, uh, I've never seen so many adults break down and cry. Strangers were giving hugs. It's kind of, of, Mm. yeah, man, like, yeah. Wow. Just when she wrote that line, I was like, wow. It was the right thing to do. Particular uh, participants questioned the lack of communication about the health risk with air quality. It was very chaotic and people didn't know how to get their gear. I feel most badly for the pros. I hope the WTC splits the prize purse for them. I'd also like to see the Kona slots put to good use. Many athletes rode from King's Beach to back to the Squire. Um, some spectators held up signs saying, you still rock and uh, fire. So, yeah. I think the pros would probably be the least of the ones I feel least bad for, <laughs> to be honest. Well, they, they, they can go opportunity off, and money. Well, they can go off and do another race next weekend. And um, I wonder, so, what happens in this situation? I'd love to know. Do you get your refund? 
I, I would be incredibly surprised if you get a refund. Mm. Um, but that's, that's what's going to unfold. It'll be interesting to see what unfolds um, and, and see what WTC can do in terms of customer service. You can't just go, oh, okay, you guys can all come and do Chattanooga or Florida or Arizona. Those races are all full. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they respond. I know, you know, for, for them, other than the prize money, Pretty much all their money is outlaid. They're putting off this. Yeah, event. yeah, that's the thing. The, 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 the money's spent, isn't it? Yeah. So I'll be Although, interested to see. What do they give back the profit? Who knows? You know, like like they might say, okay, well, you know, it'll be interesting to see how much you got back. Um, you know, okay, you paid six hundred bucks to do an Ironman. Was that what you paid now? I wouldn't even know. Something like that. So you paid six hundred bucks to do this Ironman. Okay, sure, we spent this putting on, but we actually make two hundred bucks profit. So we're going to give back the profit aspect of it. That's what. If I was a race director in the circumstances, I'd be trying to do about a third of a refund would yeah. be what I'd be trying to do. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see the kind of implications of that after the fact. But um, that, I just wonder about this race now as well. Last year they held this race in Tahoe and I was questioning in it because it was at altitude and they had horrific conditions last year. And the tour of California freezing. got cancelled from that stage over that week. So. so it'll be interesting to see. This year at the race it was a half and it was a full. Yeah. Um, so so is that be because it wasn't selling well? I would imagine so. Or, the, or they knew it wasn't going to sell out. So so is this a problem? Is the problem that it's not selling? Well, we don't know, but that the scary race is pushing people away? Well, it's a, cha- it's, a, it's a challenging course. Yeah, which we love. Yeah, which is great. Um, so I would like to see them keeping more challenging courses and doing what they did where they have a half on the same day. And yeah, like I had an athlete who was, um, who was racing who was doing the half as preparation for, for Kona. So um, yeah, it, I think it's, it's good having halves and races that aren't going to sell out. So make sure we don't have pancake races everywhere. Okay, so we also had Ironman Maryland happen, and uh, this is an interesting one. So this is the first non-pro race that we had, and we got some feedback. Uh, was it Joe who sent it through? Who was saying uh, apparently it was pretty awkward because WTC didn't really know how to acknowledge, like they didn't really acknowledge that there was a winner of the race. All right. Yeah, no, like, yeah um, I'll try to pull up the email. You, you keep talking. They should, you should, they should do get the top 10 up on stage, you know, top 10 overall or something like that, or the top five. We had Matthew Bark take it out in uh, 8.51, so 105 swim, 441, 441 on the bike. That's pretty bloody solid. And then a three-hour run. Uh, we also then had Nathan Rickman from the States in second in 8.56, riding a 429 what an axe. And then third place we had Rafael Shears, Fortes, Garcia from Brazil and 907. So a couple of night, sub nine hour performances there, which is always impressive from age groupers. And on the girls side of things, excuse me, uh, you had Lauren Capone in first in 926, Robin Herrick had Hardig bloody hell I'd say Hardage Hardage <laughs> well, it probably is yeah it is no you're right it's spelled Hardage uh, 9.35 and Hammer and, and Hammer and 9.58 so we've got here no, pre- no male pros uh, for this event um, the only female one pro was Sharon Gallant who finished 11th place in the time of 10.25 but obviously she wasn't racing as pro um, WC didn't congratulate con- sorry con- Congratulate the winners. Of she did race as pro, so maybe there was a pro division, but there was no prize money. Maybe it's kind of odd. Mm. 
Um, so they didn't con- congratulate the winners basically because there's no winners. Um, the real Starkey was saying that they are still Ironman champion of that race. Caroline is arguing that they are not because they are not contestant with no pros. So what, I suppose. Uh, so when is a champion not a champion? That's a good question. So the question is, they're now going to have these non non pro races, which we kind of feel is probably a good thing. Helps focus money, attention on mm. bigger races. How do, you know? But Matthew Buck still won the race. So what? What kind of recognition do you get? You have separate top three overall. Yeah, but then after the fact, Matthew Button goes around the world saying, I've won an Ironman race. He has. Yeah, but he hasn't. uh, Yeah, I know he hasn't really. He's won a lesser Ironman race. Yeah. It's a funny one, isn't it? Because if I go back, if you come back to Christchurch, John, Mm. you go to Maryland, you win it, Mm. you ring the media, John Newsom won, no one would know. Yeah. but um, You know, and it's good for sponsorship. It's like people saying they're, you know, they're world champions and they're world age group champion. They go around saying that and yeah. people go, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just <laughs> so, keep, it, keep it quiet. Just keep a few details out. It doesn't, doesn't bother me in the slightest. I think if you win a race, you're the champion. It definitely needs to be, yeah, there needs to be some acknowledgement, doesn't there? So mm. interesting to see how then, this is the thing is change has to be navigated wisely. Okay, we also had... Uh, Got coming up this weekend, Ironman Malaysia. Malaysia making a return to the Ironman circuit Pretty after good the absence for, for some time. So it could be a, a good race on the boys' side of things. You've got Cameron Brown, Frederick Cronenberg and Luke Bell, um, the top three seeds. So that's, that's pretty strong. And they've got uh, 22 boys lining up and about uh, 10 girls. Um, Lee Xiaoyu from Taiwan who is out here in Christchurch training she's seeded number two she won Ironman Japan and Diana Reiser from Germany is also in there as well so I noticed they have about 1300 people entered which is I think a pretty good turnout for Asia Malaysia is a ridiculously hot place to race so it's on Langkawi which is an island um, in Malaysia so yeah good on Ken Brown you know going around and and going on the gravy train a little bit, I think. He's having a oh, fantastic a season. It. You know, he's, he won, what, he won one Cairns, was he second at Ironman New Zealand, and he won, did he won Metaman the other day? He did win Metaman, yep. Yeah, won Metaman, so good on him. Because it was a big payday, it was 40k. Yeah. Yeah, US. Fantastic effort. Nice work, Brownie. Well, yeah, and that's the thing, is like, it's it's kind of wise use of your time in the last part of your career, isn't it? Mm. You know, like, you can set, you know, set his family up. That's the thing. It's got a family team. Yeah, it's got to feed that family. Interested to see if he's over in Kona, just sort of doing a bit of PR for Ironman New Zealand. Chattanooga's coming up this weekend as well. And we have got the pro field listed on there, so well <laughs> I was done. impressed. <clears throat> both, both races. I, I had to search for the Chattanooga one. Okay. So you go to the, uh, the Ironman.com and you go to Chattanooga, there's no mention of the pros whatsoever. Then if you go to IronmanProMembership.com, then you can go into start list and find it there. But really, come on, it should, if you search for Ironman Chattanooga and you go to their website, you should be able to find the pro list. Okay, Jombo, but is that a reflection that no one cares? Um, you know what I mean? Like if, like if I'm doing website design and I know after a while this is where people will go, and this is where people don't go. Do I end up going, well, no one ever really looks up the pros anyway? Yeah, but it's, I think they've got an obligation that they should be trying to promote their pro field. Well, it's how you if you're going, it, if you're going remember, to have a pro race, why the hell don't you promote it? Yeah, no, well, it's, it's just I remember when the first time I wrote, Challenge do a great job of their pros. Don't they have profiles, mm. photos and stuff? Mm. Well, back in those days, I can't, can't say I look nowadays, but, um, you know, it was definitely it was definitely kind of a cool aspect of the website. So mm. it, from that time, my experience was I did enjoy seeing that. So I wonder if this 
field is going to change somewhat given uh, the cancellation in Tahoe. You know, we had New Zealand's Dylan McNeese who was down to race there in Tahoe. So I think he'll be pretty desperate to do a race somewhere. So um, at the moment we have Patrick Evo, number one, Pedro Gomez and Matt Lieto are seated the top three. I think the one of interest for me will be Brent McMahon who is seated number seventh. Now he is a former ITU dude who has been banking it from time to time on the 70.3s and I mean proper crushing it uh, he could be an absolute axe so it'll be really interesting I think he was on the start list for Tahoe as well so he's probably the one that I'm most interested in seeing um, how they go a lot of these guys you know it's it's a good move me racing now they're going to use this race to a obviously get some prize money but also b start accumulating points for next year because you won't have any of the Kona big hitters there at all on the girls side of things you got Nina Craft um, Jackie Arndt and Angela Neath I thought she was racing Kona and also Madison McKenzie in there. So again, if those guys want to get to Kona, they can start getting some good points. Good times. Rock and roll. Got one of a race, Elmia? Uh, the Alba Man. Oh, Alba Man, Alba Man, which is in Italy. So yeah, it's going to start drying up a little bit. I think next weekend we have... Hmm... I think we have Barcelona off the top of my head and maybe one other Ironman. And then it really dries up for a few weeks around Kona time. Okay, Jombo's sponsor. So we're not athletes, and I've been focusing, honing in on a bit on the 35 to 39 age group There's of the boys. There's a lot of good athletes up there, John. It's fair to say that uh, top 10 now? my ambitions of top five heavily rely on other people not racing badly. So Yeah, I'm, but that's the thing about Kona. Like, okay, you, you're probably going to have to have your best day. Yes. If you have your best day. You always knew that. So if you could pull off your best day, there's probably around 10 guys, 10, 15 maybe. Yeah, so it's the, fifth, I, I, the way I look at it, there's 15, probably 15 guys shooting for five spots, yep. and I'm one of 15. But it, now, having looked at it, you know, there seems to be a lot more very, very strong guys than, yep. than normal. So, But historically, I would have said... It's because you've five, talked about game job. I have. Everyone, 18 months ago, when you started doing Project 2014, you were like, I'm going to dominate this. And all the good athletes in the world, just their eyes, their ears perked up, and they went... I'm going to Kona. Oh, I tell you what. Tell and uh, but but if, you know, like lots of Kona's a hard race, and lots of people blow. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm, you know, I, even even experienced good athletes. A- absolutely, absolutely. So I just think uh, my amp- yeah, I just think the the field. I'll be I'm going to be really really interested to see how well the 35 to 39 age group do overall in the in the in the age group categories because man, traditionally it's 30 to 35 wins it. Uh, and you usually get some younger, one, one, maybe one or two younger guys, and then you re- then you start getting the thirty-five yeah. to, to forty-four dudes. Um, so <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I, I looked at Sunshine seventy close seventy point three, and thought, sort of, oh, the first age group there, he's uh, he's ninth place or something, and he ran like a one fifteen, and he's going to Kona. And so I thought, oh, let's just check what age group he's in. <laughs> oh, great, he's thirty-five to thirty-nine. Check the Kona start list. Oh, great, he's on the, on the start list. I got an email was on Facebook the other day. Someone was saying Pod's looking sharp as well. Uh, I'm not too stressed about Pod's. Oh, pod. really? I'll be pod. You just... Well, yeah. Hey, you only just out sprinted them. Yeah, but I'm a, whole, a whole other level. Oh, he's gone to the next yeah. level. But that, the level, matrix. that level doesn't beat people like Trent Chapman, who's targeting about an 848 or something like that. Mm. Anyway, um, I, I just had a look at the, the girls' fiat results from last year on athlinks.com, and man, there's some 
bloody strong performances there. So Catherine Foe, who we interviewed after the race, first age grouper, finished 10th overall at 9.15. So she was less than a minute, which is only 30 seconds behind Gina Crawford in front of Lindsay Corbin, who I just lined up an interview with uh, for Kona yesterday, which is is great. So she was first place and then quite significantly first place. Then 9.33 was Stephanie Adam and she biked 4.49. Wow. If I can bike 4.49, I'll be pretty (laughs) damn happy. And uh, then third age group. So this on the girls, you were just asking there what ages. Catherine Foe was in the 25 to 29. Stephanie Adam was 35 to 39. Um, Samantha Morrison was the next age grouper, and she was in at 9.38. She went 55 swim, solid, 5.12 on the bike, steady, and then 3.26. So out of all those three, just a, a really good steady day at the office. Next one, we had Jessica Fleming. So she's 35 to 39, and then Astrid Gonzo was 30 to 34 so yeah I think you get the odd one that wants to turn pro and sort of yep. maybe 25 to 29 or even the 20 to 24 yeah, if you're putting up those rankings in Kona then then you can sort of hopefully make the step up but yeah, that's the thing I like about athletics again you can just go on here and it's just a bit more clearly defined than the Ironman website and then you've also you can go into you know a number of those athletes that are on athletics and you can just suss out there um Results. So the first the first athletes finisher was Amanda Stevens, but she's a pro, so she doesn't count. Uh, and then next we had Sonia Wake, who's a thirty year old, and she went nine fifty four. So if you want to go nine fifty four in Kona, she's done a hundred and three races. She's from Greenwood Village, Colorado, and she's done a four twenty nine half. She went nine thirty five as a top Ironman. You can suss out. She did Oceanside this year. Can't see an Ironman in there, so maybe she didn't qualify. But she did do Arizona. Good thinking. She did Kona last year. Backed Arizona. it up with Arizona. Done. F- first in her age group and nine thirty five. <coughs> boom. Have the whole year to train for Kona. So if you if you want to get the feel for you know how good you need to be to be winning your age group in Kona. Go on to Athlinks, suss out your age group, and then start checking out some of your um, the people up towards the top, and some of them will be on Athlinks, and you can suss out all their results and figure out what you need to be doing to be at the top. Okay, there you go. That's athlinks.com, guys. Okay, so last week we had a discussion of the week, and the discussion of the week was really your thoughts around the All World Athlete Program, and uh, do you? Th- John was basically thinking, do you think it's snobby, mm. or do you think it's actually something that's adding value to our sport? And, and we got mixed reviews, didn't we? And the reason this this came up was because I. Saw saw a picture of uh, somebody queuing up at, I think it was Sunshine Coast 70.3. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> and there was this gigantic big queue for registration and uh, this person was just waltzing up the all-world athletes line. And yeah, it just got me thinking, is that, is that a look we want or is it, uh, you know, in terms of um, I'm a little bit faster than you guys and just pulling the finger and, and walking up that queue? or Is it rewarding excellence? Is it rewarding excellence? And yeah, we had some interesting comments there. Okay, Joshua Hickory, uh, Hick- Hickory, I'll say. Hickey, I'll say. Do you reckon it's Hickey? Uh, H-I-C-K-E-Y. Hickey. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Jim Hickey. The red, the, the, the like Hickey from Kanicki. Hickey from Kanicki. What movie? Grease. Yes, Newsom! There you go. Oh, you're on fire. Culture. Okay. I'm cultured. Oh, you so are. No, I'd rather be um, have time boogie incentives as in um, like doing sub-12, sub-11, sub-10, a belt buckle, a batch, Etc. Personally, a label based on their data analysis doesn't drive me. 
the lead man buckle is a better program for as an example. I'm not quite sure what they do there. It's obviously they have it's a really cool belt buckle. Do they? And, and, and I think if you hit certain, I think it's if, if you hit certain Time times or percentage finishes, then uh, then you get a cool belt buckle. Tony Hodge, I think she had a really good comment here. It's no more snobbery than your frequent flyer status credits with your preferred airline. The AWA program is there to maintain our loyalty, and as a marketing strategy, it's definitely needed by WTC and something that they have. That challenge don't offer. I'm happy to have bronze frequent flyer status with WTC on the basis of my two Ironman finishes last year, and looking forward to seeing if three finishes this year will jump me to silver frequent flyer status. Oh, Richard Swan's got it's pretty lame. If you're in New Zealand, I got an email giving me preferential rights to enter Maryland. How lame is that? Oh, and I got a big key ring. Too little, too lame. Yeah. Uh, Mike Threadgold. It is what it is, a way for WTC to tempt you into racing more of their races within the year. They've tried to play it as an athlete benefit, but it is all about getting registrations. Um, it's what they do. P.S. If you see, if I see you riding an AWA cycle kit, you'll get laughed at. Fair warning. Oh, yeah, true. That's the thing, isn't it? Um, Sarah Peltier has got um, the luggage tag, bump a sticker, T1, rack area, and chicken lines don't motivate me to race more M dot races. What would be more motivating? Something, something meaningful like guaranteed access to sold out race, or a free race entry, e.g. buy five, get one free, or a free set of race pictures. That'd actually be a good idea, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, they don't need to figure out if they're running a royalty, loyalty program for everyone like the airlines or a proper athlete ranking system. Confused at how they are trying to do both with one program. Everyone is equal at the start line on race day, despite the colour of your swim cap or the sticker on your bike just get out there and race some really good points there uh, Neil Olsland is a gold w, uh, AWA I love the fact that I have priority entry into the races that traditionally sell out in seconds being able to enter a week prior to everyone else making 25-15 season planning so much easier Rob Wilbury's got um, I like the idea of performances getting recognised and I think that they could do a lot worse than Mecca's old idea of having gold, silver and bronze time standard for each age group at each race uh, they do this in the London Marathon and it gives age groups something to aim for. Matt Miller, most of my friends now have ink on their calf celebrating the achievement next to the M dot. It's fantastic and really defines someone. I was in the pub having a beer with the Hells Angel. He spotted the ink and just said respect. It means so much. I had an 87-year-old lady offer me a seat on the train the other day, spotted the ink and just bowed. It really means quite a lot. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> um, who have we got here? I've got to say... Um, Le- Leanne Parry said Challenge had an athlete ranking system for years. WC simply throwing a few more toys. Uh, Dave Doherty's got... I like it. It's as someone who regularly finishes in the top 10 to 20% and never vying for a Kona spot. It's a great to receive some recognition and I'd rather be swim, bike, run than sit on a plane. Nice. Okay. Join your thoughts. Uh, um, well, hold on. I've just got to pull up this link here. So he, here's, here's what you basically get. If you're an, an all-athlete program, gold level is the top 1%. Silver is the top 5%. And bronze is the top 10%. So that's how it works. So if you're in the top 10%, that's quite a lot of people. Mm. Quite mm. a lot of people. If you're a gold member, you get priority entry into select races. And if you're a silver or bronze, you get... Um, priority check-in, early welcome, uh, early entry to welcome banquets at some races, special recognition on, on your status on the Ironman.com and on site race week, and access to exclusive all-world athlete gear. And I think 
Tony Hodge made a fantastic point, you know, saying this is essentially a loyalty program. I would much rather see, um, if you want to have a bloody loyalty program, then you just have something where people pay into it like you do if you want to get on an airline loyalty (coughs) program. I would much rather see something that actually is a recognition program that actually put a little bit more effort into it in terms of, you know, especially around the scaling for Kona and things like that. So at the end of the season, you're never going to get the perfect, you know, ranking system. But the fact that, you know, when we look at the system now, now, most of the top ten guys are not going to be necessarily top ten in Kona, and so yeah. it's a bit of a bit of a bit of a joke, really. Whereas if you were able to manipulate it, and I don't have the, all the answers here, but I would say you know if you if you wait a bit like the Kona ranking, Kona the pro rankings, if you wait say the championship races and Kona more heavily, then you're going to have a better chance of uh, of having a, a, an honest ranking system. And um, yeah, I, I just think that I would rather see people getting recognition in terms of um, celebrating the fact that they're a bit faster so maybe I think the key ring is a bit of a bloody joke I would I think who the hell is going to use that maybe some as we've talked about before some different colored swim caps and things like that if you're a gold level silver level bronze level um, but all the sort of line jump line jumping and shit like that I just feel the line jumping and all that sort of stuff yeah, I just think it's a, it's making it a bit of a snobbery type thing. Okay, so we're, we're, I've just quickly thought about it, but here's some thoughts that I have. Is first of all, unfortunately, I don't think it's been used as a motivator. So it's more of an after the fact recognition. So if we think about the Mecca system of, you know, you get a certain level based on... Sub 10, sub yeah, 11, so sub 9. So if I go to an Ironman race and I know that, you know, if you go sub 10, you get, I don't know, a different type of T-shirt. Mm. Now that kind of would motivate me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like there mm-hmm. is this kind of, and also as I think about my pr- athletic progression as a cr- uh, in my career, if I start out doing a 12 hour, then, you know, when you get those kind of markers. Now mm-hmm. we get those markers anyway, but if we were to get a bit more of, of recognition around that, that would probably be a pretty cool thing to do. Mm. This system right now doesn't really motivate me in the moment towards my next race. And I doubt that many people are motivated by the W, you know, this system, the all world athlete system, it's probably more after the fact when we get the email at the end of the year and people go, yeah. oh, oh where, where do I sit? So it's more yeah. of a, an interesting fact than something that's meant to motivate you. I think WTC have tried to design it to be a thing that makes people want to race more with WTC races. Mm. I'm not sure if it's really hitting that mm. objective for them no. at this stage. I, I doubt many people are going, I'm going to do another Ironman this year because I want to go up my rankings in the mm. system. And as you say, it's not necessarily – a true representation of the best athletes out there in the world right yeah. now. Because if it was, you'd be number one. It's, it's, it's a no-brainer. <laughs> but I, the, the other thing is, is that the way they're rewarding you is with um, a lot of kind of social recognition tools. So, mm-hmm. you know, you, you miss the cue, you get the gear. It's all about, mm. you know, to show yourself. And I'm not sure if there are other ways to, sh- to recognise. Like, sometimes it would be nice if nah, – this would be really hard to do but if WGC were to get a nice plaque of your photo or something of you finishing mm. a race and send that through to you and just saying you are an all-world athlete I'm not sure I don't know exactly what that is but I do think the benefits are, are a funny one because I think if I got a cap that said I was an all-world athlete I wouldn't wear it mm. I just feel a bit silly but maybe that's a cultural thing because yeah. Kiwis we don't like to kind of stand up and say we're great yeah. um, whereas other cultures do so maybe if you're in a culture where they like to be recognised that would be something you'd be proud of at the end of the day it's a start I think it needs some tweaking what, I, I do think it needs to be a, a more of a motivation tool towards making you better mm. Mm. one thing I would really like to see out of the system is that let's try to prioritise the championship races again like they do for the pros. So this preferen- as, as Richard Swan pointed out, preferen- 
preferential entry for us for Chattanooga and, or, or Maryland that's not going to sell it anyway that doesn't really help things yeah. um, but if you say right for, for us Kiwis and Aussies right you get preferential anybody who's <coughs> at any level gets significant preferential entry for Melbourne and let's really try to make that a big championship race and likewise for um, the North American and for Frankfurt and stuff so you get a, a good head start so we actually can have some better opportunities where so you you're saying go, what like an early entry yeah and so then you can go you know I want to see where I rank out of the best guys in Europe and let's try to get everybody going to Frankfurt rather than it just being spread all over the place. And of course you're not going to get everybody no. there, but you're going to get a, hopefully a better representation. And we're seeing that in the pro fields. You know, you go to Melbourne, you're pulling up a pretty bloody good field. You get a yep. top five there, you've, you've had a good race. And so, yeah, that's, that's how I would like to see the system working a bit better. But it's a start. Yeah, and, and you know what? You know, they're trying. And, uh, we, you know, like some people are going to like what they get. Some people won't. Some people, you know, caring doesn't mean anything. Whereas other people kind of love having that caring. It's like the tattoo. Some people think it's stupid. Some people love their tattoos. And it's such a personal thing. So um, I definitely needs to be tweaks. And I would like it to be more of a thing that would motivate me in my race to be better. Whereas I'm not sure if it's necessarily doing that yet. Then I, I guess you can't have the, the priority queue in Kona because everybody's going to be the yeah, yeah, right level. Yeah. Okay, here's the AWA queue. Everyone's going, I don't want to be in that queue. <laughs> and then you'll have the non-AWA queue and there'll be nobody there. Okay, so this week's discussion is, oh, uh, we've got an email from someone. Uh, we've kind of covered all the points. Um, this week's discussion, so a few years ago, she's been about five years ago now. Yeah. We've been doing the show, for, doing the show eight years. Yeah. I picked Luke McKenzie for 33rd, and he got 33rd. Yes, you did. Now, what's you got? Are you trying to get people to pick from well, 33rd right down to No, event? no. I've, I'm cha- I was, well, it's up for discussion. We'll have a discussion now about it. Is A, you can't pick 33rd in the girls' race because I don't think there is 33 girls in the race. Or is there? No, it's 35, isn't it? Okay, but you're probably not going to get them all finishing. No, so true, yep. Picking 33rd is yep. yeah, probably a bit tricky. I was thinking, what's the, wor- the wor- probably the worst place you want to finish in Kona? Fourth is not great, but at least you get a reasonable payday for fourth. But 11th, you've yeah. probably had a pretty good race. Yeah. You don't get any prize money. Yeah, 11th. 11th is two types. There's the the guys who could have been top five mm. blown, and then there's the guys who had the rest of their life and still didn't get their top 10. Some good oh, that's got to rip your undies, doesn't yeah, it? it does. Yeah. So, so let's try this year. Try picking 11th place. 11th place finish. Okay, so who's going to get 11th in both the male and female race? In one pick only. There's none of this, oh, I think it might be this person, then that person, but maybe this person. Is there a prize? One pick only. Um, We're going to send you a W. You'll get my race number from Kona. Wow. All right, there you go. All right, man. You're in the I'll, I'll bring that and you pay the postage. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great. Um, so who's going to be the 11th place getter in both the female and male race and you only get to pick one name yes okay so that's what we want to see what do you got here I don't know I mean oh that's that's, that's David Doherty was sending through um, what you basically got from Tahoe which I've already covered okay I'll put some music on John by the way we've got lots of email about this week's age group didn't we we did no, we had lots of love here we go We're just talking about the weather. It's going to be 20 degrees in Christchurch today, and it's going to be nice and hot, John was saying. After yesterday's... uh, It was atrocious. (laughs) Sub-Arctic temperatures. (laughs) Joe had to do a bit of work with the runners in the morning, and I I had to go to the gym, and I was so glad I didn't have to go outside. disgusting. It was absolutely freezing. Okay, we got through a great age group of the week this week, and it was sent through from Sean 
Dooley and he's got I would like to nominate my dad Bernie Dooley for age group of the week on September the 7th that's my mum's birthday my dad brother and I completed Red 3 Cedar Point full distance triathlon a little over a year ago my dad asked my brother and I to do a full distance triathlon with him which would be his last long course try he has done countless tries aquabikes and Ironmans over the years during the course of the day Thinking made me um, thinking this made my pain go away. I realized how much work and suffering he had put into over 30 plus years and he has been doing triathlons. He is truly an inspiration, being the oldest participant on the day he won his age group, uh, his first age group win, hopefully not his last. He has challenged Rancho Cordova. That's a great name. Um, half coming up. Best part of the day, we all got to cross the finish line with him. His time was 16.35.27. He swam 154.50, bike 8 hours 53, and swims, I mean, ran 6.14.15. And a shout out to my brother Roger. He proudly wore his iron talk tri-suit on the bike and run of the course. Nice. Nice work. And then Roger actually emailed us as well and said that Sean had sent you through Bernard for the age group of the week and apparently um, old uh, Bernie has got a bit of a knack of getting a little bit lost in races. <laughs> Gold. He, uh, he mentioned well, one time in Ironman Canada he was stung by a bunch of bees and then he got lost somewhere at Vineman and he managed to hitch a ride back into town and just as he was jumping into the car with some kid, a pack of coyotes rammed into the door and he'd almost been attacked by a bunch of coyotes. Obviously not so funny then, but something to laugh about now. Wow, that'd be scary. Yeah, and then another time during a swim in a local try, it became so foggy you couldn't see 10 feet in front of him. Fortunately, a kayaker came by. Unfortunately, the kayaker didn't know the way back to shore either. Eventually, the kayaker found the shore and was able to assist him and other swimmers to shore. He placed third in his age group in that race, and a bunch of people dropped out due to the fog. He even got lost during the Cedar Point race, which they did together. He stays only by about half a mile, so not too bad for him. And uh, yeah, and also Roger was saying that uh, he was the reason I started participating in triathlons and shed a bunch of weight. My dad's not super fast at a long distance stuff, but his dedication to the sport has been inspiring. I've dropped a bunch of weight and I'm just generally healthier in part due to his example. He started doing all this because his doctor told him he had the lungs of someone over 40 when he was 25. He cut down on drinking, stopped smoking and started running. After he moved to California from Texas, he started getting involved in triathlons in the mid to late 80s. Uh, I remember before my parents divorced that he would run in the mornings before work. About a year before the divorce, I got to go out and run a mile with him during the week. He was at probably almost every swim meet that I did. Um, he coached my soccer team for a season. Fast forward more than a decade, I was trying to finish my graduate school, married, overweight, and with a son that was leaving me exhausted during playtimes. I was able to turn to him, ask for his advice about getting healthy, dropped a bit of weight, and now, to, I'm, now I'm able to enjoy activities with my children and don't require resting. That is his legacy to me. That's pretty awesome, eh? So, like, it's such a cool experience to... Like, I think there's a few things that kind of really shine through for me. Obviously, um, Bernie's just a pretty awesome man but um to be able to go and do a race as a family and yeah. finish together is, and, and, and you cool. know like to actually say this is going to be my last long distance race you know mm. because a lot of people we will talk about the oneers and doneers but you know there are a lot of people who listen to this show who've done the sport for a long time and and mm. to go and go you know this is going to be my send-off mm-hmm. and uh you know he's been doing the sport for 30 years so he's been around a long time in the sport he would have seen, seen a lot of change 
Um, and to go, no, this is the last time I'm going to have a crack at it. And then for your, your boys to come along and do it with you. And it looked like in the photo that maybe the grandkids and stuff yeah. were in the, in the finishing shot as well. Couldn't do that if you did an Ironman race. No. Um, and then also, even better, Roger was wearing his Iron Talk tri suit. Yeah, so just, just awesome, awesome. Like, I'm really into shared experiences. Like, I really think that, you know, that's what life's about, is having these amazing shared experiences. You're not sharing my experience in Canada down the finishing shoot. You can just bugger off. Oh, I'm you're going to carry across near the line. Yeah. Oh, we're a team, John. <laughs> you can sh- we can share the experience when I give you a big man cuddle when I've crossed the finish I line. I probably won't see you finish. No, you'll be behind the finish. Yeah, yeah I'll be yeah. doing the interviews. Yeah. 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 You'll be looking do you think once you finish, you'll help me do interviews? Yeah, yeah, the high probability <laughs> of that. I won't probably see you at all. I'll probably see you. You'll see me on the run. I might not. You will. I'll probably see you coming back. You'll see me going up and down Ali, and then uh, I'll, be, I'll be going up Palani before the pro boys have finished. Okay. I'm pretty sure. Yes. Pretty sure I'll work that out, but I'm pretty sure I will work. The Dooley family. Age groupers of the week, I'm going to say. Yeah, family. Well, Bernie, Bernie Dooley in particular, yep. you are our age, age group of the week. week. And then family of the week. Family. Roger and Sean, I think it was. Yep. Roger and Sean, nice work for doing it with Dad. Okay, here we go. Sponsor. Extreme Endurance <sighs> Bevan is starting to kick in quite nicely. Tell me about it. So, went away to Epic Camp, get on the Extreme Endurance, kicks in nicely. Come back pretty tired. Come back pretty tired. Drop off the extreme endurance a little bit, started getting a bit sore, started getting back into training and starting to crank it, getting a bit sore, but then last week hitting it again nicely and um, started to kick in. Last week, we're going to talk about um, my week later on in the show, but really started to have minimal muscle fatigue despite training the house down and doing some very, very hard sessions, um, kicked in nicely. So get on the Extreme Endurance team, uh, go to xendurance.com, Kiwis and Aussies, you can pick it up off me, and yeah. I was following your, following your blog last week, because that's what I do every day, I see you yeah, sure you do. I did get a PB, yeah, on your you blog. follow Facebook, you don't follow my blog. No, no, I follow your, I follow your blog, I was yeah. looking at your power numbers on your PB. Yeah, yeah. What, did I pump, what did I pump out? You were pumping out about close to 320. How about 335 average? That was a pretty good pulling a number out of the year, bud. <laughs> <laughs> Three what? 335? 335. For 20 pretty, minutes? Pretty happy with that. So you so the, so that's going to change your numbers for the race? No. It's going to mean that my numbers are now become a bit more realistic. They, okay. were, they were a little bit of a stretch, but now I'm thinking. Now you're I'm, like, I'm there. Yeah, I'm getting there. Mate, the numbers are coming through. Then you crushed your 3K. Oh, we'll talk about, we're going to talk about that later. Hey, I'm just, you know, just, I'm just, you asked me last week, am I following your blog? Oh, yeah. Every day is the first thing I do. Every day. He just pulled it up as I was talking yeah. about the And dailies. I could tell. I was like, I was looking at it. I was like, the week before, I was like, oh, he's a bit flat. And then there was a moment I thought, back on extreme endurance. Yeah. And for Kona athletes and stuff, it is, it is not too late. Seriously, it usually I find it takes about three or four days before it really starts to, to kick in. And so if you get on it now, you can save your bacon for Kona. Not only um, will you get better recovery in terms of less muscle soreness, but you will get a nice little boost in performance as well from that lactic acid buffering so check it out xendurance.com or kiwis and aussies just get in touch with me and we can hook you up this is uh this is pretty awesome so john newsom extreme endurance legend remember if you, i'll go to the dot com site use the promo code imtalk5 and you get a five buck discount okay john Bo, do you want some music i want some music okay what kind of music you can have cinematic country electronic jazz orchestral go orchestral okay here we go here's some get ready team I'm not sure what, what's the intro for this. What do you guys say? Kuna vocab. Okay. 
The music was appropriate because it was got remember, remember wedding, wedding music. Yeah, but no, well, remember you used to have those artsy shows on the Sunday afternoon. Mm-hmm. It was just two intelligent people sitting down talking, and it was right. bloody boring. Yeah, can't say this. It's <laughs> not going to say this next section is going to be like right. that. This is going to be riveting. This is, we should have had right here, right now by Fatboy Slim because this is where the kind of build up yes. starts. Right here, right now. Right here, right now. So what I'm going to do is, as I said in the intro earlier today, was to talk through the race and try to give you guys a feel for some of the names and terminology that you'll hear from all the different places in Kona so you can get a bit of a feel for it. So we'll start off with the swim. Okay, tell it's me about It's 3.8Ks. Did you know that, Bevan? 3.8Ks if you swim a straight line. And it's basically the course is a clockwise out and back. So you swim out, they have a couple of big-ass boats towards the turnaround. the big boat? I think they still have some boats out there. They used to have the massive big body, oh, body, body glass. Get all the fumes and oh, stuff yeah. off it. <laughs> yeah. So... I'm not sure if they've still got the boats, but it's a straight out and back course. You kind of swim a little bit parallel to the shore. Deep water start, and probably the first term you're going to hear a lot about of, and you probably all know, the pier. And the pier is basically the entire transition area covers the pier, so it's a pretty big place. Yep. Um, so the pier is, is your number one, uh, number one sort of vocab for today. Yep. The other one that you might hear a bit of is Digme Beach. Yep. Little small beach next to the pier, and by small, which Bevan said, it is minuscule. Yeah. But that's basically the entrance point to the swim, and it's uh, it's basically just a tiny little set of steps. You walk down. There's a tiny beach, and it's not like a lying on a beach. It's the water just covers over it, so it's a bit of wet sand, really. But you kind of hear about Digme Beach, and the reason it's called Digme Beach is because everybody prances around in race week and they stand on Digme Beach just before they're about to go for the swim. Gun, Digme. <laughs> I didn't know that. Didn't you? No, but it's me. <laughs> but to be honest, people who turn up to Kona deserve to be looked at. They're pretty sharp looking on Kona I, Week. I was thinking the other day, if I see any douchebag wearing Speedos in a supermarket, I'm taking a photo and they're getting publicly ridiculed okay. on our Facebook page. Okay, you can do that. You can do that. So dig me, Beach. Um, oh, I haven't got the start One thing is that I am working on, John, mm-hmm. is um, getting on the boat this year because I'm asking if you want to be on the boat for your media. Yeah. And I've put yes, and I've said, what's your reason? And I'm thinking, it's really hard to justify an audio podcast for the boat. Yeah. <laughs> so Same. it was, I think I put, to, to show the atmosphere of the race out in the water to our listeners. Yeah. <laughs> so Oh, well, you have to take... Uh, being on the boat is, if, like, unfortunately, people don't get to do it. But for me, and all of our kind of experiences, those boat experiences are just awesome, aren't they're they? They're good times. Yeah. They're good times. So in terms of the start times this year and the swim, you have at 6.25 a.m. the men pros, 6.30 you have the female pros, 6.50 you have the male age groupers and then at 7 o'clock you have the female age groupers. So that's how the race day is going to kick off and I'll be interested to see if they how they do the, the big cannon at the start. You mm. know, that's the way they say it's a When you're in Kona and you get the cannon, that's a seriously big but noise. What would they do that? I think they'll do it for the male age groupers. That's going to be, you know, you're going to have, I don't know, let's ballpark it, say 1,200 men maybe. maybe, maybe four 30. cannons. No, they they won't. They'll just do a little gun for the pro men and women, and then I think the main gun will be for the for the age group men. I think it doesn't really matter. You start, but yeah, it will uh, be interesting because you think you hear a boom, everyone just wants to go. Is, yeah, you seriously go. So that's a swim. Not too much to talk about in no, the swim. It's an um, but the bike. So the first thing you do on the bike, you have around about a four k little circuit that takes you just out of town, takes you up to the Queen K, and then you come down Palani Hill, and you'll hear that maybe you hear the term hot corner, and hot corner is around about. I don't know, 300 metres from the finish line and you come fanging down this Palani Hill which you're not allowed to pass on when you come down that hill. You have to be a bit careful about that. It's pretty steep and then you've got this hard 
um, left-hand turn, and it's where Bevan and I typically go and, and watch because you just you, you don't you, awesome. you don't see carnage, but you see some high-speed cornering, and uh, <laughs> and you see people smash themselves up, it. and they've just got the music pumping there. So hot corner, is, you get hot corner there, and then you get it when you come back as well. So the next part that you'll probably see in terms of the pro race, where you'll see the first part of action is the Kuakini Highway, which is, um, again, it's in town. It's about four or five k's um, long. It only gives you about 75 metres of elevation, so it is uphill, but it's not any um, crazy-ass percentages. But it really is where the pro field starts to just sort themselves out. And apparently, you're going up Kuakini, and it is just awesome all on and they're absolutely spanking it so it's called the Kuakini Highway about 5k four, 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 maybe 4k's up turn around 4k's straight back down and then you're back into Hot Corner which is uh, where you turn and to go up Palani Hill um, and Palani Hill is a, is a reasonable climb and I'll talk about that on the run leg so it's, you've got about a 400 metre climb there yeah. at a reasonable percentage so those that little town circuit there for the pros in particular is just hell for leather because once you get up onto the Queen K, it's basically straight line um, riding and you're all just in one single pace line. Whereas you know this part's slightly technical and uh, it can be make or break time if you don't make the group. Then you come up onto the Queen K. We've all heard about the Queen K before. It's around about 50, just over 50 kilometres long in terms of um, from where you start to where you get off the Queen K. Um, when you're out on there, there is basically nothing other than yourself, the riders and aid stations. There's no spectators or no. anything like that. It is basically a big, long highway. Kind of, kind of rolling. Yeah, rolling. Yeah, it's, um, it's not flat. No, it's it's big chain ring the whole way. Um, maybe on the way back you might get out of it for for one of the climbs, but basically big chain ring. Yeah. You can roll over all, all the climbs. It's uh, beautifully smooth, and uh, you can keep up some pretty good speed. The next name you may hear is Waikoloa, and that's about 40 kilometres down the Queen K. Uh, it's basically off to your left is is some resorts, and typically that's where you, the wind can start to pick up. It can, be, it can be quite windy in town, but really once you get from Waikolo onwards, then you're going to have a fairly good indication of whether it's going to be a windy day or not. So Waikolo is, is another key key point. And then you get to the end of the Queen K and you have around about 30 kilometres or so to Harvey, which we've all heard of before. Harvey's a tiny little town and it's basically the turnaround. And by tiny little town, I'm talking it's just got... A few shops and cafes, but it's very old and sort of rustic looking. You will see some nice people. So there's a bit of a crowd there. So you kind of once you get off the Queen K and you go towards Harvey, you start to see some people again. Mm-hmm. And then when you get to Harvey, you know, it's not a massive crowd, but there's a crowd there, which is kind of nice mm. to see some people. And it's and, and the climate changes a bit as well. You've got more grass, whereas when you're on the Queen K, it's basically just yep, lava, dead. lava on both sides of you. There's nothing out there, and then you start to have grass around you. But as you've all heard before. That is really where the winds kick in. It's basically a staircase climb. Again, most of it is big chain ring. The pros certainly would do, I'm pretty sure, do the whole thing in the big chain ring unless it's um, crazy sort of windy. And, uh, excuse me, staircase all the way up to Harvey um, and you still keep pretty good speed, but it is up. But that is really where the wind can be absolutely nutbar. And then you basically make the turn at Harvey and we get some really good markers as to where you are and then you come fanging it down the, the hill usually unless you have the Bevan situation the year he went and you have headwinds going down downhill and uphill. Um, but usually you can go down there reasonably quickly and then you can really make an assessment and the further you get down there then you just start to see this massive lines of people and just, you know, that's not certainly not seven metre gaps out there. It's just a massive big... Uh, conglomerate of athletes heading their way up there. Yep. 
when you get down to the bottom there um, from the Harvey descent, you go through a place called Kauai High, which you'll probably hear them talk to uh, talk about quite a bit on the the race day coverage. So Kauai High again is a, it's a little port, but what is quite significant about that is you actually get down off the um, the stretch to Harvey, and then you've got to climb up from Kauai High back up to the Queen K, and that's a really fairly significant climb because you get into this little area where there's um, the wind kind of usually drops right away and, and if you have got wind it's usually a tailwind and you've got this pretty tricky climb and you just people just explode you get so hot going up that climb and uh, it's it's reasonably steep and then you turn onto the Queen K but that's quite a telling moment and that's where a lot of people can pop on the climb from Kauai High back up to the Queen K and then you're onto the Queen K and you're on the home stretch but you still have got about 50 k's to go uh, I remember one year um, at the point where Macca really made his move was on the climb to Scenic Lookout which is about 30 k's to go. Uh, it's quite a long gradual climb um, but it's that point of the race at 150 k's where you're starting to get pretty tired, pretty smoked and you've yeah. got a big climb in front of you and that's often where in the pro race you can make a big difference and also in the age groupers you know that can be your marker as to right this is where I'm going to start to pick it up a little bit or really try to hang on for dear life and, and not explode. So those are the, probably the main points on the bike. Once you get to the top of the scenic lookout, then you've got the rollers back into town and, and you're in the, sort of the home stretch and you just drop straight into town and uh, then you're off on the run. There's that relief, isn't there? You know, like I think you get to the airport, yeah. you know, you kind of know your home. 10k to go yeah, from the airport. Yeah, but you know, you kind of, it's like, oh, I want this to be over and done with. And you did, the nice thing is you do have a slight descent at the very, very end. You come down off the Queen K and yeah. you actually have got, it's, it's probably only about 500 metres, but at least you've got some little descent where you can just pull yourself together before you've got like the final one to two Ks into transition. So then you get into the run. Get into the run. You kick off. You will have all heard about Ali Drive. You don't go directly onto Ali Drive. You <laughs> sort of run up um, and just do a little loop around the township probably for about a mile and then you drop onto a Lee Drive and you have 10 miles on a Lee Drive go out and back so and you're going to get the crowds mm, this is and but by crowds it's nothing in comparison to to Rote or most Ironmans it's still pretty minimal it's mostly centred around town but you do have a spattering of people all the way along Ali'i so it, that section of the run is uh, starts off being uh, just about flat for about a mile and then you've got a, a series of just gentle rollers nothing significant but enough to throw you know you can't run and you know if you're getting k splits off your watch they're going to be moving around quite a bit because it is it is up and down flattens out a little bit towards the end and then you turn it around about five miles and you come back traditionally pretty hot and there's not much wind so it is a, a tricky part of the run and then when you come back into town, um, you essentially turn off before you go down to where the finish line is, and you go. Then you've got your climb of Pal- Palani Hill, which is yeah. oh man, but it's, I'm for you, really. it's, it's just really tough. It's around about four to five hundred meters long, an average of around about six percent. So you can imagine you, you're you know, you've done the bike, you've done the swim, you've done ten miles or sixteen k's of the run, and then you get hit with this hill. Yeah. It is brutal, and uh, a lot of people strategically walk it. I yep. remember Joycey, um, last time we were over there watching her, and she was walking up there, not because she was absolutely smoked, but saving herself, saving herself trying to keep the core temperature down. So it's it's a tricky you, part of walk course. Uh, I'll either be very slowly jogging it or walking it. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if they have an aid station at the bottom, but I'm going to be trying to keep myself as cool as possible. I think it's halfway. It's, normally, isn't it, there by is. those shops? There is. Yeah, yeah. you're right. 
So tricky part of the run. Um, you do get some reward at the top because then you've got a gentle nice downhill descent, yeah. for a part. So once you get to the top of Palani Hill, I guess you're about uh, 18 k's or so or 17, 18 k's into the run, then you're back onto the Queen K. There, again, basically no spectators. You've got aid stations every mile, but yep. it's a highway. And so it is miserable. We've been out there watching the pros and it's just, all you hear is this tap, tap, yeah, tap, it, tap, tap. Yeah, it really is. It's nothing kind of a lonely here. place, isn't it's it? A brilliant test yeah. of um, of your mental fortitude so you're basically running along the Queen K and it's quite a bit further than you think too isn't oh, it you yeah. know like to get to the energy lab you know like because I know when you, even riding on the bike you're so far out when, when is the energy, mm. energy lab coming now I'm not running a bloody marathon at the end of an Ironman so so it's around about 9Ks until you get to the turn of the energy lab and that's 9Ks of a little bit up and down more down than up and then you make the turn into the energy lab so that's a term you'll hear a lot because that's in the pro race again last time we were there I think Crowey and Andreas Raylert Marino went into the energy lab first and Crowey and Andreas yeah. were neck and neck and they come out and it's just completely different race yeah. Marino was in the van yeah, he was <laughs> like, where is he he goes come to the van he's out I've lined up an interview with him oh, so let's be nice about him uh, that was just a fact oh no it was <laughs> and so the energy lab the reason why it's so tr- tricky is you basically have um, I think it's about a K and a half downhill and you lose about 35 to 40 metres elevation so you know you're feeling, probably feeling pretty good about things as you run down there you get a little bit of leg speed up a little bit of relief with a downhill it does get quite a bit hotter there but then you make the turn down by this beach and then you've basically got an, uh, you know, a K and a half to 2K to get back up to the Queen K it's hotter and it's uphill. It's only a small percentage, but that is sort of make or break time. You've well, the thing is, it, it, it is actually an energy lab, isn't it? It's mm. a, that's why they call it the energy lab. It's not anything significant to do with the race, but it's kind of ironic because it's at the, it's kind of at the perfect moment in an Ironman mm. where you're going to lose the game. Yeah. And so so yes. you literally go into this, you literally just turn off left onto this kind of this little kind of section, which isn't normally open to the public. Uh, no, it is. they close it in race week, but um, okay. the um, beach down there. So, so, but you go down there, and it's not long. But then you turn around, and you've got your struggle, your big struggle yeah. happening, haven't you? That is make that is a big part of my race, man. That is make or break coming up that hill. Yeah, you've got to be strong, and you've got to get back up to the Queen K, and you've got to be on top of your game because uh, you can start. Again, when you get back up to the Queen K, you've got about ten k's to go, so still a lot of time to either gain or lose a huge amount of time so then you roll along the Queen K for um, yeah, as I said about 9 to 10 Ks and the final sort of significant part of the race is, is what's Mark and Dave Hill and that is just before you turn off the Queen K it's probably I don't know maybe about a K long but yeah. again it's just a gradual uphill which gets just progressively steeper you, isn't it? Yeah. and that's where Mark Allen um, pulled away from, from Dave Scott in the 1989 Ironman so as soon as you get to the top of that hill and this is an area that's going to intrigue me about the race you get to the top of um, the Queen K you make a right hand turn into Palani so you've got that 500 metre Down. downhill I'm really going to be interested to see what the legs are well, doing that stage. Forward. Yeah, you've either got that right I'm going for it which I think we'll all want to do but You've also sometimes had to save your legs yeah. for, for the for the cramp because when you get down to the bottom of Palani, you still actually have a mile to go. Yeah. So you sort of do a little circuit around and town. And a little bit, it's like once you get back onto Alihi Drive, it's all good. Yeah. But it's kind of quiet, you know, because you go down the hill, so you're in the crowds and you turn off. Yep, and then there's very few people. There'll still yeah. be lots of runners going out onto the course, but not a huge amount of spectators. Once you can turn onto Alihi, you've got probably 400 metres, 500 metres to go. That's the glory. But that last bit, when you come off the hill and your legs will be like jelly, um, and, we, and, and, and I guess we call it Mark and Dave Hill on the way out, but we probably should call it the Macca the the downhill yeah. because that's where he... Uh, 
uh, took off from Andreas Raylert the last time he won. And then you finally turn on to a let you drive and, and I think you've, you've probably got about four or 500 metres and then the crowd is, is very thick and dense and you run on down and if you can't pick up the pace down there, uh, you know, you're going to, the motivation is, is pretty high at well, that I think point. the thing is once you turn on, like I know for me, <coughs> my experience was, and I'm sure it's pretty similar for a lot of people, you turn back onto a let you drive and it's that moment where you just to get to enjoy it because mm-hmm. you know you're there, you yeah, know. And, then, yeah. and, and the, at first, it's not that thick with people, but the closer you get to the finish line, it kind of gets thicker and thicker with people. And um, yeah, it's, you it's, do it's, say that, but you know, this is where Paul and Yubi Fraser, oh, she correct. was on yeah. Elite Drive 400 meters to go oh. and just crumbled and just sat on the pavement for 20 minutes. Yeah, that's so, every day. I wish I watched it race live, yeah, because that would have been amazing oh. to watch live, eh? Because yeah. we haven't really had the blow up from a pro in a while, have we? Yeah, so Marino, that was an explosion, but that was yeah. in mid-course, but yeah. not not in the like last couple of miles where it's been yeah. leading and just about caught. So no, so that is your Kona race day, and hopefully you know those terms a bit better now. And when you're watching the live coverage or when we're doing interviews talking about those places, you go, "That's what John said. I know what Kauai High is now. I know what scenic lookout oh, dig, is. Digme Beach. <laughs> Digme Beach. <laughs> I have to admit, like when I go to Kona, because you know I'm pretty good, Nick. But even when I go to Kona, I'm like, jeepers, I need to show it up." <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. Okay, Project 2014 update. What's been happening? So last week was probably the most important week of training outside of Epic Camp. And it's fair to say, I spanked it. So I'm just going to quickly run through my week. Kicked off with Monday, did my Monday night set, which was the third week in a row I've done it. And it's three times through, four kilometres at 3.55 per K pace, including um, a pretty decent hill in the middle of it. So having to work a bit for that. Is it Downs? Uh, no, it's over Murray Ainsley Hill down oh, yeah, by Hanson yeah, Park, yeah, yeah. so it's it's a pretty decent climb. And then uh, and then I have a minute's rest, and then I do one k at three minute thirty k pace, which is um, just a touch slower than my ten k race speed. And then I do that, so I do that three times through. Nailed it. Next day, Tuesday, and this is after the, my big bike ride I'd done on Sunday, so I was a yep. little bit fatigued for that. Tuesday, just need to chill out a little bit, and just had a steady swim and a steady ride. So nice. I think I swam. 4k and I think I rode about an hour and a half but just pretty controlled because on Wednesday I had to get ready I was doing a 20 minute time trial a little bit nervous last two uh, I think I did three poos before I actually <laughs> three poos before that's really nervous I was pumped up <laughs> that's not a little bit nervous Belinda goes to the gym on Wednesday morning and so I can't start my train until I don't usually get on it until maybe 8.30 so I was like, oh, okay I've got all morning to think about it Getting, I get up at 5 so I've got sort of three and a half hours to think about it but I was highly motivated the last time I'd done a, a train a, a TT was before Epic Camp at some stage and I'd done 329 watts which was, was okay but I was I was like, that's not quite where I want to be. And so I was determined to beat 330 watts. So when you do a 20 minute TT, how do you, what's the strategy? Um, Well, I have a number in mind that I sort of want to to ballpark. And I basically have a number I want to stay above. And so I said, I've got to be above 330 and I'll be a bit stupid if I'm going above sort of 340. So anywhere in that range. And And what's that like? Um, in the past few times I've done time trials I've like got five minutes thinking holy crap yeah, this is going to be 15 minutes, 15 minutes yeah. of hanging on for dear life this time through got to five minutes going this is this is doable and I was I think I was oh, averaging 336 337 I think this is doable got 10 minutes thinking I can actually almost pick it up a little bit here and then just held it strong all the way through still incredibly hard and, and yeah, almost yeah, vomiting yeah. at the end but came out with a 335 watts which was for me probably best case scenario like I was thinking as long oh, as I get above 3.30 I'll be sweet 
335 will be fantastic and realistically I probably can't do any better than that. So that was really, really encouraging. Had a little run after that as well, 30 minute run with some core. And then Thursday was my next key session. So I had a hard run Monday, TT Wednesday. Thursday was my three hour run or my, my, my marathon run that, I, that was, I was a little, again, nervous about. So the deal with that was 2K warm up, 10K at 4 minute 30 per K pace, 10K at 4 minute 20 per K pace, 10, 10k at 4 minute 10 per k pace and then the final 10k at uh, 4 minute per k pace yep. spanked it out of the park no worries no worries at all <laughs> Man, you're so fit so thanks Bevan oh, you know, just, yeah. so I, I was pretty pleased with that so that basically meant I went through you know it was a building run and the first 20k were pretty damn comfortable yep. and it basically meant I went through um, 42k's in exactly 3 hours oh, so so I was pretty so, pleased what, with that. Are you still doing run walk? Yep. So run walk all the way through that, except for the last ten k, I ran that straight um, at four minute k pace. But all the way through the other stuff, I was doing three k run, um, forty five second walk, and still making those average times. So. So the goal was sub three, for Kona. Yeah. Um, it's condition dependent. Yeah. I'll be if I go sub three, I'll be over the moon. Yep. Over over three oh five, I'll be pretty. Pretty upset. Okay, so could pretty fine. Three hours to three oh five will be will be bang on. So really pleased with that, and didn't come out of it too badly. Legs were a bit sore the next day, but not crazy sore. Oh, you ran a marathon, so that's pretty impressive. Yeah, and it was all on the road, and it had a few hills in it, so I was, I was pretty stoked with that. Yeah. Friday was just a bit of a bit of a crap swim, to be honest. And then Saturday was basically a four hour recovery ride. Kicked off at four twenty five a.m. on the road. <laughs> What's with that about, Willis? Average, uh, average. Four twenty five. Was that for the film made it? Yeah, yeah. It was film film made it, which was good. <laughs> and how's this uh, training going? It's going right. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Good. Um, I think we had zero degrees. Was our was our low average of three degrees? So we had three hours on the on the road. So we had to finish. I had to be finished by seven thirty for the girls to go to the gym. Yep. So I did three hours on the road and then jumped on the trainer for for one hour. So four Is hour recovery ride. And uh, no, that's fine. Uh, it wasn't. Um, it was just a fill an hour. It wasn't. Yep. If it was if it was any sort of structure, I might have struggled a bit. Yep. But that was fantastic for my recovery. So I was still a bit sore on Saturday, but four hours of it's pretty cruisy riding. Felt heaps better, and then the final key session for the week was a simulation, which was basically Olympic distance. And the objective of the session was to try to be above half Ironman pace and approaching Olympic distance pace. But to do Olympic distance race pace in training solo, essentially solo, Phil Phil was sort of out there doing it at the same time. It's pretty tricky, but I was pretty stoked. Had a, thankfully, I had a decent swim. My swimming's pretty ordinary, but had a good swim. The blue seventy. PZ3TX helps significantly. Both Phil and I got out of the swim going, holy shit, that's, uh, that makes quite really? a big difference. Nice. So, so that was good. Tested out the new, my, my race kit for uh, that I'm wearing over in Kona. Biked 40Ks, um, averaged 283 watts, which I was pretty stoked with, and it wasn't crazy-ass hard. And then got off the bike and sort of had, a, had in mind that, don't want to run any slower than 345k pace and crush that. Ran 36.45 for 10k in sort of windy conditions. Uh-huh. And so I was pretty pumped with that because I was certainly wasn't anywhere near max effort. I was working hard, don't, don't get me wrong, but um, 36.45 when I was doing it solo and training, pretty, pretty pleased with that. Yeah, great. So that was all good. This week, kicked off Monday with some recovery stuff. Today's just had a 5k swim and doing some leg speed work. Tomorrow I'll be doing on, on Wednesday I'll be doing five times four k at VO2 max, so sort of around about um, time trial effort. 
Thursday is pretty much my last key session before leaving. We'll do a two hour run with one hour at four minute 10 per K pace. So that's just a touch quicker than Ironman race pace and then basically start my taper into sort of travel because we'll be traveling this time next week we travel on Tuesday and so I'll be having sort of four or five days cruisy training before that because when we get over there boom and top into it. it's all on and I'll be cranking out some How are you feeling volume. mentally? Good no, yeah. and last week made a few a, wins have kind of given you confidence. Yeah, so very confident in doing what I've always set out to do in terms of times, paces, and power outputs and all that. But I would say, and no jokes aside, I think the eight, the the top five is going to be pretty difficult if people don't blow up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm certainly not devastated about that. It's nice to see when you you know like because it is bad to wear a bra to sleep. Just on a website, it's oh. bad to wear a bra to sleep. I saw something the other day. Go on. Some underpants that have got a little, um, little thing around the bottom. <laughs> his hand, and, his hand and right now. You fart, and it's got a little patch, and it makes your fart smell like mint. Now, someone told me that about <laughs> coffee. Someone did. Someone did that with coffee. Really? Yeah. They. they I think it was a bit of a piss take. No, but they did this with coffee, and then on the plane, they asked. <laughs> they asked the, the Bert. This guy called Bert Kreischer is a comedian. And he's a pretty. He's got this. If you want to kind of waste some time on YouTube, go watch um, his story of the machine. It's brilliant. Um, but he, he he does it when he gets on a plane. He asks the attendant for a coffee, and he puts it so he can fart on the plane. Oh. And so people think it's coffee smell, but it's oh. <laughs> it's him farting all the time. Oh, it's free. It's free. You can fart on planes. The ears moving quick enough. Nothing, down there. There's a guy at the gym right now, and um, I'm not going to name names or kind of give anything away, but he just. Farts all the time, and and luckily he doesn't do my class much, but he does. He, he likes the girls, and uh, and so he does all the girls' classes. But he, he's an atrocious farter, <laughs> like a tr- like kind of like what's this person eating kind of farting. Yeah, and he just has no social etiquette around it. So he, all the time, and uh, he won't come into my class. And I've got you know my class is a massive. Like I've got one hundred thirty people, massive room. Yeah, and uh, he stuck out the whole room there, and I was like, God, thank God you don't come to my class. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely rotten. I might have to give him a coffee patch. <laughs> Speaking oh, of which, that was a lead in well. Nice lead in. The Huffington Post uh, has given me all my Sponsor. facts. Sponsor. Coffees of Hawaii. Fact number four, coffee is great for your liver, especially if you drink alcohol. A study published in 2006 that included 125,000 people over 22 years showed that those who drank at least one cup of coffee a day were 20% less, 20% less likely to develop liver carthosis. Mm. Carthosis? Uh, an inflammation disease caused by excessive alcohol consumption that could lead to liver failure and cancer. Okay, I've got to make sure Belinda keeps drinking her coffee. Um, <laughs> Arthur Klatsky, the lead author of the study, told The Guardian, consuming coffee seems to have some positive benefits against alcoholic chorosis. Um, and the more coffee a person consumes, the less risk they seem to have at being hospitalised or dying of alcoholic you know, what, what the mood I was doing. Yep. Studies have also shown that coffee can help prevent people from developing non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. An international team of researchers led by Duke Graduate Medical School revealed that drinking four or more cups of coffee or tea a day may be beneficial in preventing the progression of NAFLD. So there you go. If you've got anybody you know that may be alcoholic, hmm. get, get drinking coffee. Get drinking coffee is your subtle way. <laughs> you've got a drinking problem. You could drink Here's a cup of coffee. Yes. I'm going <laughs> to need to drink a lot of coffee after Kona. 
Um, so <laughs> there you go. Gold. There's all these health benefits. Look, we need to have a talk. We oh, need to worried about your drinking. Well, Here's a cup of coffee. <laughs> set them up with a you know the auto. You can do the auto deli- recurring delivery with coffees of Hawaii. That's right. Just drop the hint. And just drop the hint. Get them a, a bag of coffee every month. Find out what their favourite flavour is. Maybe start off by sending them a bit of a a, um, a pack with uh, multiple different flavours in there. One of the little sampler packs, and then uh, and then boom. That can be your gift. Twelve months, you'll improve their health. Life changing, John. And while you're at it, order some for yourself. And all you people going to Kona, make sure that you give coffees away a bit of love because that is one of the highlights of the whole Kona experience. Is swimming out to the coffee boat. It just makes it something different about rather than just getting in and going for a swim. People go and sort of hang out there, and um, I love it because it's quite social. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. Like actually, people go out, they grab the coffee, and they sit by the boat for five, ten minutes, and they just mm. kind of meet people and. Mm. It's, it's a really cool experience. So if you're going to Kona or if you just want to support one of the great Kona institutions, go to coffeesofwaii.com, um, get the promo codes off irontalk.me and support one of the good, some of the good guys that support our sport. Okay, guys, questions and answers. Okay, we've got a new one world record, one hour record for Jens, cycling. Jens Voigt spanked it out of the park. Absolutely crushed it. Apparently, someone told me yesterday averaged 412 watts for one hour, wow. which is pretty impressive. And he rode 51.115 kilometers or 204 laps over 50k an hour. Yeah, that's ridiculous. And they've got so they've got new rules now. You have the the bike makes the standard. You have the standard sort of hour record now, and they they also have the best human effort. And what they mean by the best human effort that includes all the ones by the guys that had modified funky bikes like Chris Boardman, um, who went fifty six kilometres. Tony Rominger went fifty five, and then Miguel Indrain went fifty three. But Jens Voigt now has the official world. So what? Record. So so they have a standardised bike. They have. Um, they have now what they, I'm not sure actually what they call it, but just the, the hour world record, which you have to have meet bike Certain criteria criteria in terms of geometry and what have you, and then you have the best human effort. It's a hard one to have, isn't it? Because even with, you know, standardised bikes, over time they're going to get slightly better, aren't they? You would think, yes. Yeah, you know, and when you, know, when you we're literally, you know, 0.111 of a kilometre makes a difference. Mm. You know, those little factors, but still, geez, that's impressive. So, yeah, it's it? impressive, and apparently that was going to be his last professional outing. What's really interesting is obviously 2000, I mean, 1994 must have been a really big thing for this event because if we look around the records, basically, you know, before then, 84 was the early, you know, was when it was broken. Mm-hmm. But 2004, you had Graham O'Brien. Uh, 1994, you mean. Oh, sorry, so 1994, O'Brien, Graham O'Brien, um, Miguel Indurain, Tommy... Rom- Tony Rominger. Yeah, Tony Rominger. Tony Rominger must have been annoyed because he, he did one on the 22nd of October where he went 53.8 kilometres and then went back, uh, obviously, a couple of weeks later in November and went an extra one and a half kilometres, went 55.29 kilometres. Just to wrap up, but then a year later, two years later... Chris Boardman went back and took it out again. 56 points. Was that the guy with the, with the depression book? No, that's Graham O'Brien. Oh, was it Graham O'Brien, was it? Yeah. And they did a movie on him, didn't they? Yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was a good movie. Good times. Okay, um, that was a bit of a news piece, John. 
Mm. It just catch yeah, your eyes. It's it? not new, it's not triathlon news. Uh, it was it was quite big coverage around amongst the, the world. social media world of endurance sports. Good old Vaughan Cooper sent through uh, just a sob story about us fans of the show. Thanks for all the hard work you put into the show, and especially also for the legends of triathlon. I just wanted to share an article about my fundraising effort for my twentieth Ironman oh. Lake Tahoe this weekend. I included oh. this before. Uh, I wouldn't even think before about that. the race. A certain sob story. I've as you've learned to say, but it's a good one. I've listened to you hundreds of shows. Oh, well, what's the stop story, John? So basically, Vaughan, Vaughan Cooper is going to be, well, was going to be racing Tahoe. So hopefully this fundraising is still on track. But basically, um, he was supposed to be racing last year, um, but his six-year-old son at the time developed Burkitt's lymphoma. And so he's basically spent his time trying for the, building up for this race, fundraising, and we'll have a link to the story on ironman.com. Um, and whilst absolutely gutting he didn't get to go out there and do mm. what was his 19th or 20th Ironman um, still fantastic cause so give him a bit of love and he wanted to raise $5,000 he got that he got that pretty quickly and so the more the better so thankfully his son Soren is in remission by the sound of it so I'll put a um, I'll put a link to the article on Triathlete and also a link to the fundraising page because it's um, pretty cool she's it's got to be horrific Oh yeah, Your kids getting sick's got to be the worst thing. Eh? Oh yeah, you know, like it's one thing if we get sick and it's never nice, or or even just the adults in your life is never a nice thing. But your kids just got to be. Put, it puts things like racing in perspective, though, doesn't it? Oh. Didn't get to do an Ironman, which absolutely understand. It's absolutely gutting for so many people, but yeah. life will go on. Whereas in some cases, it doesn't. So good work, uh, work Vaughn in the family. Um, Jumbo, we never we need to do the Ironman finishes. Do people still go oh. on there? I have to check that out. That's going to take a lot of time to do that. Yeah, because we, we've been pretty sick with that, haven't we? Okay, sponsors are... Coffeesofwai.com uh, Stop the alcoholism. Athlinks.com Social networking for endurance athletes. And extreme endurance. Galactic buffer. Okay, John, by what's your goss? Goss is, Kona is coming up and I'm starting to, oh, we're going to have Legends of Triathlon, we're going to do the interview tomorrow, so they'll Can we tell them who it is? Because it's a good one. Tim Taboom. I'm really fascinated by Tim Taboom. So that should be good good times. Fascinated um, by him. Three, two or three time Ironman champion. He won two, he won two. Haven't done my prep yet. He won, he won. He definitely won in. He won it two years tw- in a row. 20, 2011, because the, after the Twin Towers got done. Oh, was it one of those ones? Was, was, it? That, was that 2011? Yeah, yeah. Yep. 911. Mm, yep. yep. um, so, so he, yeah. he was he, he's the last American to win it, isn't he? Male? Yeah, I would say so. Yep. Yeah, because then you've had sort of Australians, Australians, Germans. Germans. Yeah, no, I definitely think he would be. Yeah. But I haven't done my piece yet, so he def- I'm pretty sure he won it twice. Oh no, he definitely no, won it twice. But in a row as well. I yeah. Think, yeah. I think you're right. Because it was him and Peter Reed, wasn't it? Remember yeah. they had that one off race mm. at the mm. time? Because that, that was kind of when we started the show. We'll, we'll find out about it. Won't we? Don't want to talk about it. <laughs> you sh- share your knowledge. Whatever, your whatever, goss, whatever goss you got. So we're also in terms you of the election. Election. Said the night. A little bit of it. Yep. A little bit of it. Wasn't too excited. So it was a bit of a downdraft for all the parties other than that. Yeah. Our, our blues. Yeah. Our blues. <laughs> yeah. Our boys. I went green, so I got downdraft. Well, I'd like to vote for green blue, but they're not really an option. Yeah. Anyway, Kona's looking good in terms of lining up the interviews. Bevan's going on about how he's going to do all the work, but actually. John's actually giving me a holiday. I'm, yeah. I don't need to do anything now. I'm lining up one interview per day um, when, from when I get there and got some, some good stuff lined up. Got uh, Tim Ree, got Gina Crawford, Marino, Magnus Backstead, um, Joe Gambles, 
uh, Maka, um, Caroline, Caroline Stefan. So it's looking pretty good. And then when I get there, I'll be just doing that kind of random stuff where I get strangers. Yeah, it's, it's, and it seems to be increasingly hard to get any pros sort of in race week. So Bevan will be at the pro briefing. But in terms of when he, he actually gets there on Tuesday of race week, races on Saturday, there's not a lot of pros that want to actually talk. And in terms of the, the, the top level pros, um, we might try to grab we one or two. We to get them all, didn't we? Yeah, but it's getting, it seems to be getting harder and harder. So, um, Come on, T. Anyway, I'm the, the re- you give people the option of doing it a bit earlier and they want to take that option. Yeah. So um, we'll see what we can do. But certainly you'll have the same number of interviews as normal, but I'll be doing a lot of them before. And I'll get a lot of them like at the media conference and stuff mm. like that. So we'll be doing all that type of stuff as well. And Post then, race is your forte though, Bevan. That's where you've got to earn your money. Yeah, so I'll be in behind knowing the crap out of everyone. Mm. Uh, Although it's funny because people are all pretty open at that time. Oh, yeah. You know, like it's actually... Uh, you know, there's that kind of uncomfortable moment, do you mind doing an interview? But actually, they're all pretty great. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so outside of your book, Bevan, what's been going on? It's kind of one of those moments where you know you're going away, so you're just working under the pump. Mm. You know, like we're just, Joe, poor Joe's bloody working a butt off, and I've been working my butt off, and then you've got to get ahead, and um, our business has been going really, like stupidly well, which is what you want, but it's probably not very good timing with us going away on holiday. Mm. So, um, so we're just kind of working really hard. Um, not much really. We went yeah. for dinner. We went out for Cafe Valentino's. Oh, yep. yep. Got the big steak. Nice. Pretty happy with that. Yeah. I always want more. That's the problem. I got 450 grand piece of steak. Yeah. I wanted more. It was so good. <laughs> Don't worry. When you go to America, you know, it's a small snake. <laughs> yeah. So. so good times. This time next week, uh, I'll be on the plane to Kona. Pretty much looking forward to that. Looking forward to some smooth roads, man. When you come back from overseas and you come back to Christchurch and you're trying to do hard efforts on the road, it is just so hard. The roads just beat you up and you've got to work the whole time there's no free bloody miles How's your new bike? here new bike's fantastic you're loving it yeah no the setup is, is great who are you on the CPO 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 I always say CPO I used to have a teacher at high school who was your worst ever school teacher it was yours Mr CP was it yeah 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 Anthony CP do you know him well, he's a tri- he was a triathlete. Oh, that's right that's right was, hey you get to the foyer <laughs> he'd poke you with his finger in his chest is he still around no he's not he, he like, died a couple of years ago. Oh, did he? Yeah. Oh, bugger. He yeah. was an old bugger. He was. Oh yeah. 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 But he was. He again. He had all sorts of uh, health issues, but he kept on doing triathlons. He couldn't swim in pools. He'd go sea swam yeah, all the way he'd through the year. In, uh, of course, he by middle of winter he'd be swimming in his wetsuit in the, the pool. I mean, in the who was your worst teacher? Because the thing is with teachers, you either want to be the kid's best teacher or the worst. Because do you remember most of your teachers? Quite a lot of them. I just remember we made one teacher, Miss Backer, her life hell. Mrs. Backer, <laughs> new teacher, and oh, we we were we were nasty kids, real nasty. <laughs> yeah, we, we were, what year was this? Oh, probably ten years old, maybe ten. And what did you be nasty? Oh, she was just she just lost control of the class, <laughs> and never. so you just took it. Everybody just took advantage of her. <laughs> Had the key for the, you know, you had your, your, your paper key for the, the toilets and everybody just make up their own keys and just walk out of the class and stuff. So, no, we were a bit nasty. Who was your best teacher? Oh, I don't know, Bevan. You don't have the best teacher? <sighs> Not off the top of my head. Really? Yes. Wow, you don't have the best teacher? No. I have two. Yeah. Mr. Woodley. Mr. Woodley was a, who got me into running. Mm-hmm. And when I was like at, at primary school, when I was like 12, no, no, probably younger than that, I was like standard one or two. And uh, he, I was a little sporty kid and he got me into running and he was awesome, man. And I still see him and nowadays. He comes to the gym. He lives in Dunedin, but occasionally he comes up and he's still, nice. he was a bit of a hippie character. And then um, Mr. Woodley and Mr. Derricott, Mr. Derricott as well. Just, yeah, 
good teachers are invaluable thing. Oh, yeah. You know, like a great teacher. And worse was Mrs. Nunn. Mrs. Nunn. Mrs. Nunn. She was renowned. And on, and on her birthday, she'd give you a kiss. And she was yeah. like this. Imagine like an, a 90-year-old zombie woman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. With a strange accent who was stupidly strict. Yeah. Well, that was Mrs. Nunn. And uh, she was very much stuck in the 30s with her teaching because she was yeah. that, that bloody old. Yeah. And uh, on your birthday, she'd give you a kiss. And <laughs> kiss you didn't want. But, but also, she didn't have very good memory. And every month, my mate Gary Ashwood would put up his hand and go, Mrs. Nunn, it's Bevan's birthday. Nice. Can't try to slip her tongue in. Oh. Mrs. Nunn. <laughs> Details we didn't want. <laughs> hey, Tim, if you've got a podcast review, I know lots of people who hit podcasts, this is a show. If you want to get an interview with me on the show to promote my book, give me an email because I could get out there and promote it as much as possible. And if you are looking for someone to kind of get for an interview for your show, that's a way to do that. I, I, I will say about my book, um, I, 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 I really believe in what my book's about. You know, like you write a book and, you know, you obviously want it to sell. But ultimately, the reason I wrote a book was that I wanted to get more people moving and, and helping people love exercise and achieve big things with exercise. And if you've ever listened to my other podcast, <clears throat> excuse me, Fitness Behaviour, you'll know that... Um, you know, I'm, I'm really into the mind side of the game and, and what are the strategies that people use. And I, I do think that I've brought a unique perspective to, you know, a lot of this topic around fitness. It's interesting as you look at Amazon, my book's kind of, you know, at the moment it looks very personality driven, but everything's about, you know, how to have six pack abs and all this kind of crap. And to me, exercise offers so much more than that. So I'd really appreciate you guys if you support my book. It just, um, you know, uh, you know, I just appreciate that. And also, if you know someone who you think could get value from a book, pass it on, you know, just let them know about that as well. Again, if you can do that sooner more than later, that would be really fantastic because like all these things, if you can get attention early, you, you tend to get momentum from that. So if you're listening to this today, um, go to my go to the website, www.iamtalk.me. There's a link to it on there. Or you can go to my website, bevanjamesisles.com, and uh, you can get it, you know, get the Amazon link there. And then people in New Zealand, you can get the hard copy from my website as well. So, uh, yeah, thanks, guys. I really appreciate your support on this because it's, uh, you know, it's kind of one of those moments in my life where I've worked really hard to achieve a goal, and it's kind of at that moment now. So thanks. And uh, next week we are doing a show before John goes away. So and we've got actually I've got an interview as well with uh, that I did with um, Endurance Junkies doing podcasts coming out I think October third. Oh, good. Show. Yeah. When's that coming out? October third. Well, you already said that, didn't you? I didn't really listen. <laughs> Go on, let's wrap it up. Oh, no, I want to hear about your interview. Was it a good interview? That was just my life history. Oh, well, that's a good yeah. interview. How long did it take? Two minutes. Yeah, two minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like the like, love life. Born Ghana, done. Born Ghana, that's all you need to know. Uh, I'm Russ. I'm Endo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha.